Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 100. We've made it to the ton. Big thanks to those that have been with us from the start. And if you've just joined us, we hope you're enjoying the content. Stick around and tell more of your football-loving mates. All right, once again tonight, two more members of the team. Uh, on one line, I have a man ecstatic about the news that Jesse Marsh has been sacked. Tommy, how are you doing? I'm great. I wanted to throw this out there. I love that it's episode 100. And I think it's fitting now, like this would be the first time in Coop's short, but like illustrious NSF career, they were all here nursing simultaneous defeats. Yeah, it is actually. We will get to that because on the other side, I do have a man in a state of football-induced depression after a 3-0 loss to Wolves on the weekend. He's also a man who thinks the Fratelli's Chelsea Dagger and Wolfmother's Joker and the Thief is the same song. Uh, that's, of course, social media man Coop. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm stoked to be here after four episodes and take all the credit for 100. Oh, you're stoked? You're not in your football-induced depression? No, I'm about to be. I'm about to support, um, start supporting four-time Premier League champions Liverpool, so. Oh, <laughs> four-time Premier League cha- All right, well, perhaps we can get to that. Um, the news, obviously, that uh, City look like they're going to be charged with some Fair play stuff, once again, does it mean anything? I don't know if you've got anything on this, either of you, but I'm I'm sceptical that it's just going to be another, how you going, we'll just drop it all and you get a little bit of a fine and we carry on as normal. Are you insinuating there might be some paper bags tossed across um, a desk somewhere to no- in order to make this go away? No, nah, I'm just insinuating nothing will happen. 100, 100 charges, though, 100 breaches of financial fair play. We were asked, was it last week or the week before, does it matter? And I think now if we're actually going to find out. Does it does it matter? We will. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The hundred. The fact that it is a hundred charges across like ten years or something. We will definitely find out now whether it does matter or not. I'd say. It was kind of UEFA to like categorically rule out that they wouldn't strip them of their Champions League trophies, though. That's really kind of them. I thought. Yeah. Just. You do what you like. If you get caught later, you can just keep whatever you've got. Nothing. Do you hear that, City? <laughs> you've got nothing, and you're going to finish this year with nothing. All right, there you've gone. I've said it, Cooper. You think Liverpool are going to get handed some titles, or is that just hope? It's just—it's not even just hope. I don't think you want them that way, and I don't know if United would want them that way either. Um, oh, I think they do. It's just—it's <laughs> just disappointing, you know. And I think like nothing will come of it again. The question of how is it ten years worth of charges, and how have the, how has this been a four year? How does it take four years to go? Yeah, these guys fucked up like royally when every single person sitting anywhere with a laptop, a Twitter account, an Optus Sports subscription could see exactly what was unfolding right in front of their fucking eyes. And I, uh, like you said, I, I won't be surprised if it's just a slap on the wrist and they get nothing for it. And then in five years' time, we revisit this after a, another four-year investigation of Fat Todd Bowley and Chelsea spending £800 million in a fucking January transfer window. Like... It's, it's like you said, we got asked, does it mean anything? And I think the answer to the question is no. It kind of, it um it precedes a government report that's going to come down tomorrow, I believe, in the UK. They had, they set up some kind of like independent regulatory board because they realised that shit in the Premier League was just getting out of control and they really needed independence. So they were like, hmm, who can we get that's truly independent? I know the Tory UK government, that's a great idea. And so they're going to drop this massive, apparently groundbreaking report and I think it's very interesting that now maybe that is the reason that there was a four-year gap in between us hearing about anything and all of a sudden there's like 100 breaches of financial fair play or whatever else has gone on. 
there was some other shit I saw as well about shell companies, um, seemingly no staff, no active products and being run out of a mailbox in London, contributing, you know, multi-millions of pounds to city over the years. So there's, but I mean, we expect this, don't we, Sammy? Like this is, this is what happens in the Premier League. This has been happening for years. Yeah, well, I was just about to ask either of you two, I might go to Coop first, but are you at all, is there ever that thing in the back of your mind that you're worried that your club could get done as well? Like it is for me, I don't know. I feel like you could just wake up one day and you could see it there and, you know, all of a sudden it's your club that's done it because you just, at the end of the day, they're all <laughs> they're all this, pretty much the same type of people at the top top of the pyramid, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. And it makes you wonder, like I saw a friend of mine that supports Chelsea had a post on Facebook today that said, I can't sit here and laugh at City because I know that this is going to come back around eventually. Like, especially when you support, when you support a club from inside that so-called big six, I suppose you do have to worry about that, that kind of thing. Cause they're all the guys that own these clubs, whether they're Yanks, Saudis, whatever they are, they're all tarnished with the same brush, aren't they? They all do the same things. And it's all oh, they are now. You've done it. Like. <laughs> um, what got me was one of the, you know, when things like this happen and the clubs like, um, like City on this occasion, they come out with those miraculous two paragraph, less than a hundred word statements about the situation. And when City dropped theirs, the first sentence in bold letters of the statement is Manchester City FC is surprised by the issuing of these alleged breaches of the Premier League rules. Yeah, them and nobody fucking else. <laughs> yeah. Someone categorised it as like they're fighting back. This is them coming out and denying it to, from the get-go. And it's like, Jesus, to deny 100 charges. Like, who who are you? Are you Mason Greenwood? Like, this is this is top-tier stuff. Yeah. Um, Tommy, you've had you would have you've been through Leeds financial issues in the past before. Have been, have been, and we were we were rightly punished. We had 25 points docked and uh suffered a double relegation. So mm. uh, it seems only fitting that there's a precedent has been set and city should be uh forced to forced to suffer through the same kind of thing. <laughs> and that's enough. just that's not out of spite, that's just fairness. That's financial fair play in my eyes. Yeah. Um, we saw like another example of like getting away with it, like a AC Milan got done a few seasons ago and they weren't even, it's not even like they were spending massive amounts of money. Um, they they got done and then they just said, oh, well, how about we just don't, we won't play Europa League next season. We'll deliberately sit it out. And then that was all dropped. And it was like, okay, don't play Europa League next year. Just just worry about the league. Um, it's, almost a, it's almost a blessing. Almost Who wants a blessing? to play the That's Europa League? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, either of you, anything more to add on that? I just I like I like all the the theories going around. How do you actually rectify this if it does come out that they did breach the rules and that you know they illegally acquired these titles? Do you, do you give them to Man United and Liverpool in the situation, or as I saw someone suggest, given you know the huge amount of space that we have in the footballing calendar, we should drag all of the 2013-14 players out of retirement and make them replay the season? <laughs> yeah. I would, all 38 I saw, games. Yeah, I saw Lucas Leva and uh, Jose Enrique tweet today, are we champions? Does that mean I get a trophy? <laughs> and I'd fucking love to see these guys play again. It'd be an interesting medal ceremony, wouldn't it? I'd go all out and just pretend I was just ecstatic with it and go ballistic. Definitely. Open top bus, do the works. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, we'll move it on now that um, Rich Yanks will be pleased to know that this small South Australian podcast just called them the exact same as 
rich Saudis. So thanks for that, Cooper. No worries. Uh, let's quickly look at some fantasy football. Cooper, your team moved up to 21st. You got your own team in this because uh, uh, you just didn't want to be part of us, I guess. You're selfish. <laughs> Something like that. I just... um. Uh, Buddy's Boys FC, we don't accept mediocrity, so I couldn't drop to the levels of the NFS side. Ooh. All right, that's rough, but uh, all right. Shots fired. Moving up. This week's weekly winner is uh, our mate, friend of the show, Todd from Heaps About Nothings. He's, uh, he is storming up. He's got the highest score of the week with 72, and he's now just 20 points off the top. He is cruising up the table every week. Uh, this week's weekly leader still in first is the team fourth place trophy. Uh, Arsenal fan, Ryan Mitchell. Uh, congrats, man. Still leading the way. Well done, Todd. Good stuff. Our team sucks, Tommy. We need to make some changes off air. It doesn't suck. We're going, we're slowly moving up the table. We were nah, 40th. Now, what are we, 33rd? No, I like, uh, boy, I like um, where we are. We've waited a little season for Dennis Undav to get a start. And he uh, he had that, he had a shot blocked <laughs> by the defender, came back to him, and then it was saved. And it came back to him, and then he hit the post. It was like a FIFA moment. It was absolutely ridiculous. It was worth the wait. Worth the wait. Let's get into some football. First game of the weekend was Chelsea nil, Fulham nil. Uh, Mudrick played, Dudrick, Dudrick played a half. Uh, still no three points for Chelsea. No goals either. Is that two nil alls in a row for them? Uh, Cooper, what you got? Um, look, keep your keep your May free to get over to England for a um. For a title parade if you're a Chelsea supporter because Mudrick had the flu and Enzo Fernandez is the best centre midfielder we've ever seen. So so get on your bike, get over there because it's, it, all, it's all coming, it's all coming up coming house according to the Chelsea supporters of the world. <laughs> Once they're back, they'll, they'll win it. Oh, definitely. It's it's the old Potter disease, isn't it? They can't, he just cannot buy goals. And I don't understand why he plays such a elaborate, expensive football, um, style of football and there's just something in that final third. I mean, it happened under Tuchel for a while there as well. They just they they can't unlock whatever it is uh, that is stopping them from putting the ball in the net. Yeah, it's I I reckon they'll get it back this week because I think um, Ja Felix should be back now. I think I think he's just served his third game. Um, and they got him into score goals and he can <laughs> score goals, so I reckon he will find the net straight away. The best comment I saw on this was uh, Dudrick being compared to, or being likened as like a Chernobyl Adama Traore. And I think that that might stick. Lovely. Uh, anything else, Chelsea Fulham? Not not a whole lot to talk about there. Just We just wanted to sink the boot in, didn't we? Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Please. All right. Well, now it's uh, Tommy. I believe you'd like to sink the boot into Arsenal, I reckon, because they started their... Uh, what everyone thought would be a capitulation. The weekend didn't turn out as bad as it probably could have, but um, a 1-0 loss for Arsenal away to Everton. Sean Dyche came in. Man, I just knew. I just knew this week that Dyche coming in, the whole new manager thing, and the fact that it was him, I feel like his Burnley side have haunted me over the years, and he's haunted me again. Everton he's... got the win. Arsenal had 70% of the ball and couldn't couldn't find the back of the net. Couldn't do it. Um Look, I may have been, it was more out of spite that Everton had gained three points when I said that Arsenal deserved to lose the title now. I didn't, mm. look, I would like to take it back now formally. Mm. Would you, you know I want to see Arsenal win. I don't know. But when you drop points to a side that, you know, they've, they've basically said that their success has come out of doing a beep test in training during the week. 
And so I don't I just I don't I don't see how Arsenal were they bad? Were Everton good? Did you watch this? I did. Yeah, there's a bit of both in there. I'll just let Cooper go first if he's I feel like he's probably got a similar point to me. Yeah, it felt like um I mean Arsenal had all the ball, but it felt like Everton probably created the better chances. Um there was a couple like yeah. they had one cleared off the line. Calvert Lewin was half an inch away from getting his boot onto one in the first half and putting him in front. And it just like you know those games where the top team goes away to the bottom side and they lose and it's it's one moment that's like, wow, they've dominated all game and couldn't score. And then this other team has had this one chance and they've put one away. When Everton scored, my first thought was it actually felt like it had been coming. Yeah, absolutely. They missed, um, even in that first half, you mentioned the Cavalier one, but there was a few others where, um, was it Onana, I think, missed a free header that probably should have been a goal. Um Cavett Lewin missed a couple. They just they were finding free headers in the box. They were just playing really direct. Um, you mentioned in the group chat uh, the bringing in of like Decore and Onana. Yeah, I think you know. It just I just wonder whether you know is this a one off thing or are we talking like Lampard just getting it so wrong? Because they're probably and I think on paper when you look at their whole squad, Decore and Onana are probably their two best defensive midfielders, like the guys that are going to get behind the ball and be able to go for ninety minutes as well. And they just looked so much more for a team that's lead goals. They look so much more solid, like those two in front of their back four. And they did play back four as well, which I liked. Yeah, they weren't forced into a five. They didn't do it. They weren't negative. Um, and yeah, Onana and Decore oh, got forward oh. as well. I might have disputed a little bit. I think they were they were super negative. They were just very effective on the counter when they did get it. When Arsenal had the ball, they had two banks of four, pretty much on the edge of the box. Um, but one thing they did do really well, I thought, um, you know, you mentioned Onana, Decore, uh, Idrissa Gay, the other one in that centre mid. They they had two guys pretty much just running with Erdegaard and Jacker, And they were kind of happy to let Thomas Partey get on the ball because he's not really the creator. He's the one that finds the creators. And um, they just couldn't find him. They were just being marked so tightly. When they did get on it, Arsenal were also a little rusty as well. So on the one hand, I think Everton maybe have laid down a little bit of a blueprint of how you might want to try and beat Arsenal and it sounds obvious but you know it's that's taking taking Martin Erdegaard out of the game but um, at the same time those Arsenal players weren't at their best they were a bit sloppy the ball movement wasn't as crisp as it's been in past weeks and so that's all contributed to it as well they were um, they were definitely flat Arsenal unfortunately but I love that were, yeah. comment on the three Everton midfielders like as if you haven't played Decore since mid August that's crazy and just the way dumb. that he came in and just dommed it energetic hard to pass through hard tackling I mean it's, it's Dasha's wet dream no wonder he took the job you see that group of midfielders and you think shit I can keep these guys up Michael Owen before the game as well when they were discussing when the lineup came out how it was a four back and the three midfielders and people were going like should they be playing a five back and is this midfield three right and Owen sort of like took this four three three and he said it was like one of those screens that you can move shit around and he had pictures of the players and he sort of had they had like Onana and um Adressa Gunner Gay set up on the left and right and then Decore in the central of them they looked really spread and the other pundits had like shown off these holes and Owen sort of like brought them all together and just like created this just like wall in the center and was going, I don't think Everton feel threatened by Eddie and Kedia in the air. So they're not going to be concerned if Arsenal's mm. midfielders pick the ball up in wide positions. You're yep. just going to suffocate this midfield. 
And then on the turn, when they get forward, they might not have a creative midfielder or whatever that Lampard tried to find in like Davies and, and a few other guys. But Owen pointed out, perhaps they don't need a creative midfielder. If when they have Calvert-Lewin up front, they're just going to force wide, trust their winger to beat a guy and put a ball into the box. And instead of having a creative midfielder, can, if it's on the right, can Onana and Decore get forward and create extra numbers and extra problems in the box? And if it's on the other side, can Adrissa Gunagay and Decore get forward? And they did it. And like I said, Onana missed that open header and things like that. But if they continue to do that, they're going to be an aerial problem for a lot of teams. It's basically just Burnley 2.0. They're going to have Sean Dice doing that. So you just take out Chris Wood and replace him with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Done. All right. Uh, Newcastle drew with West Ham. One all. Cooper, you had a note on this? Uh, Newcastle, West Ham. Yeah, last week when we spoke about Newcastle, I said how impressive they'd been in only conceding 12 goals. And But I just said my concern was that if they do start shipping a goal a game, are they going to be able to win games? And... I just wonder whether they don't have enough goals in them. And if this, like 11 goals conceded in 20 Premier League games is an insanely impressive feat. And they were never really, they still might, but I dare say they would not be able to keep it up for another half of a Premier League season. Like even if 11 in 20 games in the second half of the year turns into 20 in 20 games, how many points are they now going to drop by conceding that extra goal a game? Mm. It's an interesting call. I mean, if they get Isak back fit, I mean, he wasn't involved in this game by the look of it. Uh, he, he to me, looks like a 10 to 15 goal uh, a season Premier League forward. And if you can alternate that with Callum Wilson and then you've got, you know, Almiron, uh, St. Maximum, and, you, you know, you've got goal scorers in there. It's just whether or not Eddie Howe wants to open up his team a little bit more and take more risks. You know, the risks that sometimes you need to take in order to win games like this against West Ham. Because if, you, if you're going to concede one shot on target and draw 1-1, I mean... It does reflect more upon Newcastle, like you're saying, in their ability to be able to score, you know, more goals than one a game. They've got the talent there. This this seems like an organizational thing. See, I just don't know. I just I don't buy into whether they do have the talent or not there, even when they get Isak back. I mean, Sam has done ASM to death on this podcast. He's same maximum. He's just he's not. How, how good is he? And I don't think he's that great. And then Miguel Almiron had a had a great six to seven week period, but the two years prior had been terrible and the month since has been average as well. Like, is he really that great? Do they have that much in, in Wilson St. Maximum, Almiron? Like I said, when they get Isak back, is there that many goals there? And then how many goals do Joel Linton, Willock and Longstaff offer out of the midfield? I'd argue probably not many. Yeah, I would fair. think I would think Willock does. Um, he seems to be playing a more reduced attacking role in Newcastle. I know when he was he was on loan at West Brom, wasn't he, and scoring a few, and he looked like a really exciting young footballer. He seems a little bit shackled now at Newcastle, which is a shame. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's. I think this is down to the management, and I, as well as he's doing, Eddie Howe, he, he's not the man that's going to take Newcastle forward over time. Like you could see. You can see Pochettino taking ridiculous money and going to Newcastle, right? Yeah, I mean, eventually. Um, I think Eddie Howe, you got to give more credit to Eddie Howe than we do. He has nah. been a good manager and he has that that knack to set up defensively. And I don't know. It's one of those ones where you're like, you look at a manager and you go, how good are they? Because their side, the team they have on paper is ridiculous. But Howe's really isn't. Like, I know he's got the money behind him. and I know he's had a few signings, but... What he's done with that team has been really impressive. Um, 
but yeah, just wonder, like we spoke about, you know, I know it's only one draw and let's not jump the gun and go, like we said last week, they might drop points if they start conceding a few more goals, but let's not jump the gun and go, they're done because it's only happened once. But, you know, it's, it's t- to draw one all with West Ham at home when you, they've only had one shot on target is two points dropped in a week where Tottenham, Brighton and Brentford all picked up three. Mm. I'd pick you up on that. It's not just one draw. I mean, there was the draw against Palace and the draw against Leeds and the draw against Arsenal. Uh, I mean, you know, the, they have drawn, you know, Bournemouth. Uh, there's there's a huge Wolves, a huge amount of draws throughout this season. Um, that That is the sticking point for them for sure. And it'll be interesting to see how they evolve ahead of this. But, you know, maybe even their top four chances are in jeopardy if they continue with this kind of... I, I, to me, it's shackled in a restrained style and they seem more scared to lose than they are willing to go out and win. There will be Newcastle fans absolutely seething at listening to this, having an Good. absolute wonder of a season, sitting up in fourth after last year and all we're doing is criticising them. Wow, they'll be angry. That might fire them up. Hopefully they can get some more wins. Liverpool away to Wolves, 3-0. Oh my gosh. Uh, Joel Matip and... Joe Gomez, where do they rank in uh, terms of the worst centre-back pairings in football history, Tommy? Oh, football history. Uh, they're up there with uh, Diego Lorente and Liam Cooper. That's for damn sure. Yeah. You're talking about just this season. Look, we, we've given Joe Gomez uh, a fair share of hiding over the over the years. We have. Um, I feel for the guy, he's much better partnered with VVD. And I think everyone in that team is. And when you get these two guys who are clearly second fiddle defenders who accelerate their performances and can perform with a little bit more freedom when you get an experienced world-class defender next to them, then yes, they're good centre-backs. But when you put them together, my God, I feel like Cooper's about to breathe fire here, but they just, they they don't, there's no leadership and there's, the organisation is there, but there's just, it just seems like they're lacking in the confidence for one of them to take charge and say, okay, this is how we're going to play the game. That just constantly looking at each other, thinking, is this my man? Am I supposed to be stepping up here? Should I be dropping here, tracking this? It's it's absolute shambles. Yeah, nah, I'm with you. Um, I actually really rate Joel Matip. I think he's a really good centre back. Um, Gomez had that fantastic season the first year. We really looked like it, but like you said, next to Van Dyke, he was young, he was quick, and he was in one of the best Liverpool sides we've seen in a very, very long time. Um, This year, I mean, just aside from the two of them as well, like you look at the back four as a whole, Trent's confidence is it's as far in the bin as it's ever going to be. I mean, he's had a rough year defensively, but he's just been shot and shot and shot in the media and it's not going to do. We know that players look at this shit. Like we've had, we've seen players on podcasts and shows and stuff talk about how some guys check their We'll check Twitter at halftime of games and things like that. It's Ugh, why? it's why it's mental. Um, but his confidence is so far down, and it's the worst season we've seen Andrew Robertson have so far. He's he's a long way out of form, and that's one that hasn't really been spoken about either. Um, World Cup hangover. He is, yeah, he's a long, long way out of form, and that doesn't, you know, when those two can't defend, and you've got wingers as well as attacking midfielders and strikers running as centre backs, anyone's going to look bad. Which is it. it's the lack of mobility in midfield that's really exposing the defenders. And 
Um, I watched this really good uh, video by John McKenzie. It was a Tifo football video, maybe. It was detailing why Liverpool's like ultra successful pressing of the last few years just like has not been working at all this season. Uh, so like super fascinating. Um, I've scheduled to post it on the page tomorrow because I always do this on the pod and I'm like, I'll post it in the next few days and I never end up fucking doing it. So it is coming. <laughs> Definitely take a look if you're like a tactical nerd because it, it pretty much you know, boils down to Nunes being a massive flop. Well, scenes, there it is. We've labelled him. He's done. Pack it up. Go home, Nunes. Um, yeah, I'm keen to see what this Liverpool side can do next year with a f- when everyone gets their fitness back and like all the players come back from injury. You wouldn't. I don't think I'd be pulling the trigger on Klopp at the moment. I know there's people talking about it this week after that. Um, let's move it on. United Palace at Old Trafford. Uh, three points for United, just keeping the pressure on just enough, lingering around up there. Um, our mate Casemiro came back. I'm a big fan of this guy, but what's he doing? Two games, two straight reds. He's going to miss another three. No, Sam, it's not Casemiro's fault. The referee is a disgrace. <laughs> All yeah. caps disgrace. My favorite Twitter uh, like thread slash feed at the moment is post-game Man United fans whinging that they're hard done by. Incredible scenes. Don't just, you fucking start, hey? United I mean, it's fans. crazy. Some of these comments, it's so obvious they can't even hide it. Even the penalty was not going to be given. Eight minutes for what? All capitals. Eight minutes to have a look and decide that the guy, you know, yes, it's hairball, but it's, his head is right next to his face. Like, just get, give him a break. Let him have a look at it, for fuck's sake. Don't, this isn't a conspiracy. Yeah, um, do I be do I dare be positive about Man United on this podcast? Go on, do it. Um, someone has to sign you up for Coop. <laughs> I spoke last week. How I thought that you know maybe they deserved a little bit more credit for how they've done, and it looks more and more likely week on week that they're going to play Champions League football next year. Um, they seem to be shelled in, and out of all the teams that have been inconsistent and have reasons to be inconsistent. They're the one that have found a way to to keep that little bit of consistency about them and just find results. Um, we spoke about how they had that week off and the break and, you know, they had that draw they shouldn't have had against Palace and they got to play Palace again. And this was the game that they had to, they had to come back and win and just, just go again from here. It was a way to right the wrongs and they did it. Um, and they've got some players doing some really good things. Um, he's probably my least favourite player in the Premier League, and I know Tom agrees, but geez, Bruno Fernandes just runs games of football for Man United, and he has so much more freedom to do it with Casemiro in behind him. I uh, don't know how much Casemiro missing three games is going to affect that now, though. Um, I doubt we'll it. Tour against Leeds. We'll see. Yeah, well, that's it. <laughs> We'll see what the wonderful McFred can do behind him for another few weeks. Um, this is the problem. McTominay grows an extra nut when he plays lead somehow. So expect <laughs> yeah. another edge of the box banger. And yeah, and I said to you guys before the start of the podcast, um, death taxes and Marcus Rashford. Fuck, he's in some form, isn't he? I, I don't know if there's, outside of the whole Erling Haaland thing, if there's a striker in the Premier League anywhere near this guy in terms of form and goals at the moment. Oof. Harry Kane and his record-breaking uh, goal tally, I think, is knocking on the door, but sure. Yeah, we'll get to that. Don't worry about Harry Kane just yet. Um, Brighton beat Bournemouth 1-0. Not a lot to talk about there. Matoma scored a second late winner in as many games for Brighton, um, turning it on, that boy. Um, 
Brentford beat Southampton three 0 and it was very very convincing. We're all pretty we're pretty locked into Southampton are down. Has to be. Yep. I mean, yep. how do they change this? All of their fans are, are blasting Twitter. Sack Nathan Jones now. Sack Nathan Jones now. But even if you do. You're not. No one's coming to Southampton to rescue, unfortunately. No, nah, and the squad's a mess. It's been a bit of a mess for a while. They've got really nothing in there. Um, Villa, Leicester, six goals in this one. Emmy Martinez, the arrogant bastard, comes back and ships four at home. Cop that. I really don't like the guy. Uh, Harry Sutar gets a start. Um, what is it? Where, where did he sit on there? His transfer to Leicester put him third or fourth. Highest fee in Australian football, something like that. I don't know. You can look. I think it, it was up. first. I thought it was first. The, yeah, the biggest. Oh, it was first. Sorry. So what mm. I did, I've confused myself, is because what I did is I looked at the other ones on the list and I calculated some of the inflation on some of them, and I worked out that Viduka's transfer from Celtic to Leeds would be the highest if it was twenty twenty three prices. All right, enough of that. But Sutar started. Unluckily, found the net for the other team. Not much he could have done about it, but uh, how are we feeling about Big Harry jumping up in the Premier League? Uh, I like it. I mean, obviously, we're all for Harry Sutar taking the step up. It's great to see an Australian back in uh, top flight English football. And, it, yeah, you know, is the price a little bit high? Is it inflated because of the current market and the way it's been distorted by your Chelsea's and the like, potentially? Uh, but he is a guy with age on his side and he's got incredible physical attributes yeah and we we saw in the world cup you know he has he's fleet-footed and he's got a desire to get back and win challenges which is exactly what you want in a premier league center back he's, he's going to be great and leicester should stay up and i think he's going to get a good run next season potentially under rogers maybe not look he can he can only do good things for this team i think and it's probably the way he's been back to start straight up after that signing, after just coming into the team, is a good sign for him. Yeah, Cooper. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I made a joke in the um in the chat before the game when I saw that he was in the squad. I was like, just fuck around and start him, and they did. Um, yeah, I'm about it. I mean, I don't know how much else they have back there. Soyuncu was the whole everyone when they lost a few centre backs. Soyuncu was the whole. Oh, we've just replaced him and found nothing, but he's fucking terrible. Like, I don't know how much competition he has. And if they've spent 26 million pounds on him, they've backed him in. Is Wes Morgan still there? Surely. Give him a run. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're missing Johnny Evans is probably a big one for them at the moment. But overall, this team just isn't too great. And uh, they've got they've got the odd player here and there, but their back line is definitely a weakness. I think we all... I think we're all in the boat that they're going to be able to do just enough. We probably said last week they're going to be one of the ones that definitely do survive. But, you know, they're going to have to keep getting the points because they're still only only three points out of it at the moment. Um, moving it's on big, to the last... Big, big oh, victory, this one. We should say it was yeah. a big victory to go away to yeah, Villa and do this. Put four through them. Yeah, yeah. big win. Um, good signs. They'll want to keep it going. Uh, into the Monday night games, uh, we'll go Forest leads first. A 1-0 yeah. win. Um but you you you're not happy with the result, but you're stoked with maybe the outcome, Tommy. Uh, this is the eternal question: Would I prefer us to win and Jesse Marsh stayed on? No, definitely not. The, this guy Big three points. It would have been though. But yeah, it would have, it would have been actually because going into this, we were neck and neck with Forest, and so like Forest have established themselves now. The six points above the relegation zone, they look okay 
if they maintain this steady rate of uh, point return. Yeah. For us, we again, Leeds look like the better team. Started brightly, conceded another sloppy goal. Um, you know, Pascal Strack is not a left back. And Marsh's persistence of playing center backs out wide because of the narrow vertical pressing bull chaos football bullshit that he wanted to try and you know impress upon this team. It was just not well, working. Those those are definitely all words. Consistently. <laughs> no, these are all his words. He, yeah, he, that's what I mean. Yeah, he's, chaos ball, man. That's what he called it. He's an idiot. And he's a fucking moron. And like if you read the US press today, the the problem was Leeds United, not Jesse Marsh. Because yeah. it looks like he is going to take over the US men's national team going into the the home world cup, which should just be brilliant. Because there's no way you could play this kind of football in a world cup and succeed. You go up against anybody, a better side, a, le- a side not as good. Imagine America play Australia. Australia would rip a Jesse Marsh team apart. Mm. There's 100%. just nothing. Um, Steve, Steve Cooper makes two halftime changes and Leeds don't have a shot in the second half. And it's just indicative of his time at Leeds United. Yeah, well, maybe it is Leeds' fault. And uh, now that he's gone, he'll get hired by Forrest and win back-to-back European Champions Leagues, <laughs> just like Brian Clough. Um, Tottenham beat Man City, uh, the Hurricane. This was a huge game, really, in the context of the league because Arsenal fans had a whole day of um, having blown a game against Everton, which they would have been banking on three points in, bringing that gap back down, and then City... Well, well, Arsenal fans would have had a <laughs> it would have been turning into Spurs fans for the evening. I know I was, um, and they managed to get a result. I woke up in the middle. I didn't watch this one. I woke up in the middle of the night. It was a th- three a.m. Monday morning kickoff is really a toughie for for the working the working people, isn't it? Um, Harry Kane scored early, and then I just saw it was one nil twenty minutes in, and checked again at the end of the game, and they'd held on. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Anyone? Um. I didn't see too much of it. I saw bits of it in and out of sleep trying to watch it. Um, but Spurs, I don't know if this is vibe based, but I don't think it is. I, I don't. I did a Tom and and went to say something without having evidence to back ah, it up. Ah, we're all about vibe based here. Go for it. Spurs seem doing to. A <laughs> Spurs seem to have a very good record against the Pep Guardiola managed Manchester City. They just seem to win games against them. They won a few last year. Um, well, City got... haven't, is it right? City have still haven't scored at that new stadium. True. I, I was going to say, I've got the actual stat here, which proves all of you. Oh, 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 here we City go. Five in a row at the Spurs stadium without scoring. There you go. How Spursy is it to have the wood over a side as good as completed City and not win anything? Mm. Yeah, Harry Kane on fire as well. Um, 17 in 22 this season. It's a ridiculous return for a team that's just underperformed and its own manager turned around and said maybe we belong in eighth and <laughs> now they're right up the tail of fourth place and Harry Kane scoring goals for fun um yeah what now for Spurs and I guess what now for City um they're just gonna have a cry every time they have to go to London I saw a great tweet that said god forbid anyone tell Pep that the distance derby exists because he might go into fucking cardiac arrest um but yeah I, think I know. Like... Fancy whinging about having a four-hour bus ride, like you're like you're being chauffeured on the best. Uh, how many wheels on a bus? This is the old nursery rhyme, isn't it? <laughs> Lots of wheels. Look, they've got. There's. You can't complain about this kind of thing. Everybody does it. He just yeah, find it's... any excuse. It's ridiculous. It's 
all in due time for Arsenal as well because they get their chance at City in the league on the 16th of Feb at home too. And, you know, potentially potentially now that if Arsenal can win their game in hand and it goes back to eight points and we're past the halfway mark and City have had that chance to claw it back even further and put it back in their own hands and they palmed it off again, they they could be vulnerable going to the Emirates. This is a question without notice. Who's the game in hand against? Is it Brighton? Potentially. I'm not sure. There's a couple of teams that have only played 20. I think it is Brighton. Mm. Yeah. Um, if you're Arsenal, are you taking two draws against City? Hell yeah. Yes. Absolutely. You are, aren't you? You have to. Yeah. You are. That was probably a stupid question, but I'm just, I'm starting <laughs> to get the, the nerves that you get when you emotionally invest. And I have to say, I've really enjoyed the last 10 years of not needing to emotionally invest. And you can just watch games and just not care about results. You've and enjoyed then, the mediocrity. Uh, I don't know if either of you noticed the salt or how angry I was Sunday in the group chat and uh, real short with people that morning. When I woke up and saw a message from Tom saying Arsenal deserved to lose the title just because we lost to Everton and I was seething. And uh, Well, are you going to take yeah. back what you said? It's going to be a rocky... <laughs> what did I say? You oh, said, I said you I hope Leeds go, go down. down. Yeah. Truly. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to take that one back. I'm unsure at this stage. Um, yeah, with who knows? With Arsenal, it's the whole thing that we did with Liverpool in those few years where it seemed the strategy that would win you the Premier League was if you put a strong lineup and like you did, everyone was going, oh, wow, Arsenal went full strength against Everton. If you put a full strength lineup out in 36 of 38 games against teams that aren't Manchester City and you just win all of them, all you have to do is make sure that City don't beat you. Like that's the goal. Go to the Etihad and don't lose and you're a chance. Yeah, beautiful. So we've narrowed down tonight that all rich Americans are the same as rich Saudis and that if you win all the games in the league, you will win the league. I love that. That's that's night shift stuff. You don't get that sort of analysis anywhere else, folks. Uh, that's it for the Premier League. Uh, Tommy, it's been a while since we've done some Ange Watch. Um, we probably won't do some Ange Watch right now, but we'll definitely do some Aaron Moy Watch because after a bit of a slow start, to his Celtic career, this guy is absolutely turning it on. I know he's only playing in Scotland, but he's he's standing <laughs> up. He's a, he's a, he's surrounded by quality players, uh, of whom the Celtic fan base are appreciating him more than at the moment. If you were sense. the best midfielder in Scotland, would you be proud of the fact? I think so. I'd have to be, yeah. I don't think you should diminish that it's only in Scotland. I don't know if he is the best midfielder in Scotland, but this is this is what they're saying. His and form after that, is really good. That delicious little lob on the weekend. Um, I didn't see the steal of whether he was offside or not. It seemed remarkable that he wasn't. They have VAR. They do have VAR, yeah, yeah. Um, and the the it was it was it the Jota that played the ball through to him. Just awesome. Uh, it was Kyogo, I think. Was it Kyogo? Maybe it the, could have been Jota. Yeah. Well, Either way, this Celtic team is stacked and I loved the, you know, uh, the doubters, the same doubters that probably when Ange came in, they were like, well, what's this Australian guy going to do? Which is weird to say because Tom Rogic came yeah. in and was immense for Celtic. And so you, you bring in the pasty Perlo and of course he's going to run shit and he's been brilliant. He's been brilliant, especially in the last month. And he's definitely found his feet and it's, it can only mean good things for the Socceroos, can only mean good things for Celtic. And it's, it's it, you know, it's remarkable to see Aaron Moy play with a genuine smile on his face because he doesn't do it often. It's hard to make the man smile. Yeah. He looks really happy right now. 
Yeah, I think in fairness to Celtic fans, their their outlook to transfers like that are, you know, bringing in someone like Aaron Moy was never really intended to be a first choice centre mid. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. so when they're looking at depth, you're looking at younger players who you can get in, they can do a job, they can get better and they can progress in their career and then you can sell them on for a fee. Um, obviously, Aaron Moy came with the age tag of 31, 30. And, you know, it's that's not old, but it's not young for a footballer. Um, and he also did have a few really, a few poor, I think I believe his first game was a, a loss or a draw in which he, he played pretty awfully. Um, but the last month or so since the World Cup, he's come back and he's just been absolutely taking the piss, um, running the midfield next to Callum McGregor, who probably is and has been the best center, uh, midfielder in Scotland for the last you know, six, seven years. There you go. There's been there's an interesting um, uh, tidbit about that post World Cup. The guys that have returned and have had successful World Cups, or you know, have played in teams that have done above expectation or had had good tournaments, they've come back with a spring in their step. You know, Rashford is a good example. I think Bakaya Saka is another one. Uh, uh, when you know you, you would think maybe the opposite, you would think they'll come back a little bit uh, jagged, uh, uh, you know, a little bit uh, lethargic or you know over over footballed. You could say, and then you look at players like Haaland who didn't have a shot against Spurs and you're wondering, uh, maybe that month off wasn't the best for him. It's just, I, I'm so happy to see him succeed and I'm so glad to see the Celtic fans take him under their wing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cooper, I don't know how much you've seen of Celtic this year or Aaron Moy. Um, you got anything you want to add? It's just, nah, it's just typical Scottish football and Scottish football fan culture. I think it's, Celtic and Rangers should be full of Scottish players because they have the best footballers in the world and their teams could compete in the Premier League, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's what they've always been like and they've never been willing to to have these foreigners come to their league and succeed. Ooh, oh, interesting. That's, that's a pretty, uh, I, I'm just not going to ask you about Scottish football again because clearly you don't have a clue. I'm going to leave that alone. There's I'd, a big fit bar contingent who the, would not be pleased with that. The list, the list of big names, like international names for Celtic and Rangers over the years. It's Henrik Larsson. It almost, someone. it would almost be bigger than the. It's the just list no, it's of more Scottish like, names. It's more like these, um, the whole Big thing sentence. with the response to the yeah, the, especially the Japanese players. It was the whole, why are we signing? How are players from the J-League going to improve the top side in the Scottish Premier League? Mm-hmm. Like, that response was really dry. Like, they just, without even seeing yeah. these players play or knowing anything about them, weren't willing to even consider that a Japanese player from the J-League might be able to come over and, and take this fair. league in a stride. There's a bit, there's a Look, bit of non-European bias that gets around in Europe, though. If I can add it on, yeah, definitely, like, the amount of doubters when Haaland went to the Premier League, like just it's just typical uh, old man British dinosaur stuff. Um, Snoria A, as our friend Todd likes to call it, Serie A, the Italian league, my favourite. Um, shit's been going down, Tommy. Uh, your mate Ossie, man. You may as well just you just do you want to just jump on the Napoli wagon, Tommy? I'll allow on, it. Mate, I'm there. I bought the shirt. You're on? You're in. All right. Tommy's a Napoli fan. We now have three Serie A fans on the show. How good. Um, my boy is Milan. After coming back from the World Cup, sitting second, challenging for the title within reach, um, I expressed my doubt over this squad and it's 
it's come through a hundred percent. They've they've won one game, I think, since the return. Um, they're now in sixth place. They're eighteen points off the top. They're probably not going to make Champions League. I wouldn't have thought, not based on this form and not with the form of the other teams around them. Atalanta are better than them. The two Rome teams are better than them. And on the weekend, Inter defeated Milan in the derby to move into second place. Well, they already were second, but to to solidify that second spot, um, Napoli cruising along. They won 3-0. Osimhen with two and the the other fellow whose name I can't pronounce (laughs) scored to get the Georgian guy. What's his name? (laughs) The Georgian. Look, I'm not going to try. Cooper, can you see that? (laughs) Uh, Kvartskalia. Yeah, it's a mouthful. Uh, but he scored and got an assist as well. So they're just, those two guys are taking the piss. Another two that are really turning it on at the moment for Jose Mourinho, his Roma side. Um, they won 2 0 on the weekend. I've lost it. They won 2 0. But there's been lots of talk around the combination of Paolo Dybala and Tammy Abraham, who both kind of a s- slow starts to their Roma careers, I guess. Well, not to their careers, slow starts to the season. Um, but Abraham has turned it around uh, in recent months. And every time he plays with Dabala, they seem to connect really well. Dabala got two assists. Tammy Abraham scored from one of those. Um, and they're just starting to they're starting to knock on the door of the top two, albeit Napoli long Very. gone. But um, yeah, that's, uh, that's Syria. I maintain that Tammy Abraham is the third best English striker in Europe. I think it's it. Did he go to the World Cup? No, I don't no. I think he did. He did not. He didn't. Nope. It's a joke. It's just like snobbing him off because he doesn't play in the Premier League. Like just uh, to to not not support Todd's narrative of Snoriar, but if he watched the Roma game on the weekend as I did, that was one <laughs> of the poor games of football I've watched. Um yeah, went off like go, a house on fire. Well, went off like a house on fire at Bunyas and Abraham scoring 2 0 up in six minutes, and then absolutely nothing happened <laughs> for the next 84 minutes. Well, I think if, um, you, if you look towards your bench and see the man in charge, that should tell you all you need to know. <laughs> so, um, Champions League football seemed a long way away for Roma four weeks ago, and Milan have fallen off. A couple of other teams have fallen out of form. Lazio always inconsistent. And Juventus somehow, I don't know, lost 15 points out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, it, it looks really good for us. It does look is, really good. Is Italy a uh, goal difference or head-to-head when it decides? Head-to-head. League head. So that's yeah. this is the thing. It's like Spain. So like when you get 2-0 up, there's no need for you to continue to go and attack and score more goals because... You just secure the three points and then you've knocked down a team. You know, given it's Empoli, they're not going to compete with them for the top four or whatever. But nonetheless, you can solidify that kind of defensive structure, protect leads, and you can take it to different games. Yeah, you can. I don't know if that's a a definite choice that many teams make. It may be a choice that Roma make because mm-hmm. they're um, you know, they've got Jose Mourinho, but they one. um they were in control of this game anyway. It's not like they just gave up possession as well and just defended their lead. So, um, yeah, good stuff. I reckon uh, that might do it for our 100th app, unless either of you have anything else you want to add. I think before – we won't go into it this week, but I think in the next couple of weeks we should take a close look at Germany because there is some shit going down over there. It looks like a four-pronged title race. I think we should try and watch some games this weekend, come back with some stuff. Union looks sick. Uh, Dortmund's even with a shout here. This is one to keep an eye on because it looks like Serie A's done. 
Yeah, Serie A does look done. Um, Bayern got their first win on the weekend coming like since the world or since they since the league came back from their break. So they finally got three points. Maybe that'll get the cobwebs out and get them going. Dortmund had a big win, but yeah, we'll have a closer look next week. We can suss the table, look at some things. Um, that's it. We're done. Happy 100, Sammy. Well done. Happy well done, everybody. Well done, Cooper. On your four, four episodes, five episodes. Wonderful. It's always the, it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. Brilliant. Uh, hopefully stick around for another hundred. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Keep getting around it. Get around us on the socials. Tell your friends. Give it a share if you want. Give it a rating on Spotify. Do all that shit. Yeah. Cheers. Nah. Goodbye. See ya. Fuck Yank Lampard. See ya.